Well, we are in uh, week two, second of three weeks in which we're um, taking time this new year, the beginning of this new year, to, uh, as Pastor Tim said when he was praying, refocus on our, on our purpose statement, a purpose statement as a local uh, body of believers. So 2020, uh, as we talked last week, was a year filled with uncertainty, uh, a year filled with reaction, probably left us feeling a bit like we were maybe just trying to keep up, trying to survive. Um, I, I equated that last week with just playing defense, it felt like, the whole time. So kind of in an effort to get back to playing a little more offense, be a little more purposeful, seeking to push forward, we're refocusing on uh, our purpose statement as a church body to honor the Lord, build the body, and disciple the nations. And so before we move on to the second part of that this week, I do want to just give a a short recap of what we talked about last week with honoring the Lord, um, in case you missed that honoring the Lord. And as you can see, if you remember on these canvases, the first one has our mission statement on it. And then uh, this second one here, the pink one has the first phrase, honor the Lord, with um, kind of that expanded underneath it. And so if you remember, we, we talked about uh, we honor the Lord by uh, when we worship him, by humbly serving him, and when we love God, by keeping his commands. It's how we're called to honor him. We talked about how worshiping God humbly, that, that speaks of, of recognizing his worth, recognizing his, uh, his glory above our own, and submitting to him. We talked about in Micah chapter 6 that, uh, that revealed to us that worshiping God was less about doing impressive things in the sight of, of men, large offerings, grand sacrifices, those kinds of things. Rather, rather, it's about living justly. It's about loving mercy. It's about walking humbly with God. Um, we, we worship God as we bow before him, as we recognize his power, his purposes above our own. And then we also talked about, uh, about how loving God by keeping his commands is kind of the opposite side of the same coin of honoring God. Jesus repeatedly told his disciples that in, in response to his love for them, they can show their love by their obedience, their obedience to his commands. It wasn't, remember we talked about it, it wasn't an obedience that seeks to earn something. It's not an obedience that tries to secure something. It's an obedience that flows out of something, flows out of our love for God. And so as we keep his commands, we bring honor to him. We recognize him as the all-wise, all-good God that he is. So that, that first portion of our purpose statement, honoring God, really directly, uh, directly addresses our upward focus our focus upon God, that we honor him. The second portion that we'll talk about today, building the body, addresses our inward focus, our focus upon ourselves. And, and that might sound a little self-centered when I say it, doesn't it? An inward focus upon ourselves. But, but, but stick with me. We're not talking about an inward focus that is selfishly consumed with ourselves. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an inward focus that recognizes that relationships matter. 
that recognizes that our relationship with God matters, that recognizes that also our relationships with one another matters. Build the body is, is that type of inward focus. So, so when I say that phrase, build the body, it might be tempting to think that it's all about numbers. It's all about increasing the size of our church body. And, and to be sure, there are, there are churches out there that place the primary importance on increasing the number of people who are a part of that church. Nearly everything is done with that goal in mind, and if the goal isn't reached, then, well, it, it, it's been a failure. And make no mistake, we, we, de we desire, we do desire to see new people becoming disciples of Jesus. And, and as we carry out our purpose and as we see God work through us, we will inevitably see more people worshiping God as a part of this local church body. But when we talk about building the body, the growth that we have in mind is something much broader than just increasing the number of how many people are sitting in the pews or, or even watching online. It's much broader than that. We are what we are pursuing as a church body is, is to be healthier than we were before, <clears throat> to build the body in that way. God desires to see our church body built up in such a way that our faith in him is strengthened, as you can see on this one here. Our faith in him is strengthened and our service toward one another is increased. And again, new people becoming disciples of Jesus and joining our church is a byproduct of that and, and, and we will rightly rejoice when that happens, but it's not the exclusive goal of building the body. It is broader than that. Now, like we did last week, I, I, I want to spend time unpacking these two sub-points that, uh, that are on here. They're also um, uh, in the sermon notes. And so those two sub-points of building the body are, are grow in faith through discipleship and, a pers and personal evangelism and love others by looking to their interests. Grow in faith, love others. So that first point there, grow in faith through discipleship and, and personal evangelism. I want to begin by stating that, that discipleship and evangelism are, are key parts of, of both this one and this one. Both build the body and disciple the nation. The, the, there's both in there. While build the body highlights that inward focus that we're talking about this morning, disciple the nations really highlights the outward focus that we'll get to next week. When looking inward, discipleship and evangelism are both keys to deepening our faith. But also, when looking outward, discipleship and evangelism are both keys to the expansion of God's kingdom. So there's overlap there. And with that being said, what we're going to do today is we are going to look more closely at discipleship today, knowing that it applies to next week also. And then next week, we're going to look more closely at evangelism, but also remembering that it applies back to today also. So there's overlap there, and instead of talk about both, both weeks, we're going to highlight discipleship this week. Next week, we'll highlight evangelism, but there is definite overlap there. So what does it mean to be a disciple? If 
we're going to focus on discipleship this week, if we're going to say growing in faith through discipleship, what does that mean? And more specifically, for our purposes, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Because that's really what we're talking about, a disciple of Jesus. And even the term disciple kind of gets thrown around pretty regularly in, in Christian circles, doesn't it? That term disciple. We know there were 12 disciples of Jesus. We, we, we see those 12 disciples following Jesus. They are, they are consistently present in all four of the Gospels. We also know that there were other followers of Jesus at that time who weren't part of the 12, but were sometimes still referred to as disciples in different places in the Gospels. And we also know that even today, those who profess faith in Jesus are challenged to live as a disciple of Jesus. So, so what I want to do this morning as we think about discipleship is I want to spend our time in the gospel of Luke to see what he communicates to us regarding Jesus' disciples and exactly what they were called by Jesus to do. And I think what we see in, in Luke, along with the other gospels as well, but we're going we're gonna to stay in Luke, we see that the disciples of Jesus were, were called to do three main things. And when I say disciples, I don't just mean the 12. I mean that extends all the way to us as well. I think everything Jesus expected of his disciples, and again, consequently of us, falls into three categories. And you can see those uh, on sermon notes as well. Sacrificing to walk in the way of Jesus learning what it means to walk in the way of Jesus, and then walking in the way of Jesus. I think being a disciple is boiled down to those three things. So that first one, a disciple sacrifices to walk in the way of Jesus. When Jesus first called his 12 disciples, and, and Pastor Tim read that uh, one of those passages for us out of Matthew, he called them to make a sacrifice. He, he asked Peter and Andrew and then James and John to give up the life of fishing with which they were familiar. He called them to, to drop their nets, basically, and come follow him. Uh, Matthew himself, the tax collector, Jesus called him to leave his tax collector's booth, leave his business, leave his way of life, and to come follow him. And, and this theme continued as Jesus' ministry progressed and, and others became interested. So in, in Luke chapter 9, if you want to follow with me as I read these verses, this is Luke chapter 9, verse 57. There, there's, a very, there's three very short descriptions here of times when Jesus called a person to sacrifice something. So Luke 9, 57 says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. In other words, I will be your disciple, Jesus, wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. 
Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So three real kind of short interactions there. Jesus asked the first person to sacrifice his claim to a home. Uh, Now, when I think of a home, I think primarily about comfort and security. Uh, That's what a home means to me, comfort and security. A home is a home because there's a pillow for my head and because I can lock the front door. Like that, that's a home in its essence. Jesus asked this potential disciple to sacrifice his comfort and his security in coming to follow him and coming to be his disciple. There's sacrifice there. The second person, Jesus asked the second person to sacrifice really his own honor within the culture and even within his own family. You know, some suggest that at that time in that culture, burial rituals took an entire year to complete from beginning to end. It's not that you were doing something the whole year, but from the first responsibility to the last responsibility, there was a year in between there. So perhaps this individual was in the middle of, of that important process. Maybe he was just making an excuse in order to delay following Jesus. We don't know with certainty, but we do know with certainty that to fail to carry out the traditional commitment of a son to give his father a proper burial would have brought shame upon him. Wherever he was at in this process at that time, to just leave and not carry that out would have been shameful for this individual. Jesus asked him to sacrifice his own earthly honor for the sake of the kingdom. Come follow him. And then finally, with the third person, uh, Jesus asked them really to sacrifice even their closest relationships. He, He wasn't even allowed to return to say goodbye to his family. Now, now Jesus is using exaggeration in all three of these interactions. And he's doing it to make a point. There's nothing sinful about having a home. There's nothing sinful about being honored. There's, There's nothing sinful about valuing relationships with family and with friends. But when it comes to the sacrifice required to be a disciple of Jesus, all of that has to be on the table. We can't hold any of that back. None of those things can take precedence over discipleship to Jesus. And so in this, as we think about kind of this this first calling of a disciple, it's, it's a good opportunity for us to examine ourselves and ask, is there anything that I might be giving too high of a value to in my own life? Uh, Is there anything that I'm unwilling to put on the table in order to follow Jesus as his disciple? Because in order to be a disciple of Jesus and walk in the way of Jesus, we have to be willing to make sacrifices. And it may not be the specific ones that Jesus highlights here, but there will be those sacrifices. And so we have to ask ourselves, is it on the table? Am I willing to lay that before Jesus, if indeed I'm called to? So a disciple of Jesus makes sacrifices. A disciple of Jesus also learns what it means to walk in the way of Jesus, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And if we're, if we're honest, it, 
This is probably where most of our attention on discipleship lies. In the American church especially, when you talk about discipleship programs or strategies, the foremost thing discussed is usually growing in our knowledge of God, growing in our knowledge of his ways through Bible study or, or other similar means. And, and that indeed is an, an essential component of being a disciple of Jesus. We can't walk in his ways if we don't know what those ways are. So to be a disciple, we ought to learn what it means to walk in the way of Jesus. And I, I believe this is why such a substantial portion of Jesus' ministry was devoted to teaching. He was teaching not just his disciples, but, but crowds and others what it meant to follow him. And, and we're not going to read all the way through it this morning, but in Luke, uh, I'd encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 6. Uh, in, in this chapter, verses 20 through 49, this is kind of a shorter version of what is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the, the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's Jesus' teaching. You know, this passage here, along with numerous uh, parables that Jesus spoke during his ministry, they were meant to instruct his disciples in, in what it meant to walk in his ways. And, and so just in Luke chapter 6, in this kind of shorter Sermon on the Mount, some people call it the, the Sermon on the Plain, um, you know, Jesus talks about you know, the, way of, the way of Jesus is to, to love enemies. The, the way of Jesus is to be merciful. The way of Jesus is, is to forgive. You see all of that in this section of teaching. So a, a disciple ought to be regularly studying the way of the Lord so that he or she can more accurately walk in the way of the Lord, so that we know what it means to walk in his ways. It, it really doesn't matter if we've been a disciple of Jesus for five minutes or five decades. It really doesn't matter. We are to be learners who study the way of Jesus and so again, a, a question we can ask ourselves is, do we take that seriously? Do we take seriously growing in our knowledge of the ways of Jesus? Or are we eager to study the way of Jesus so that we know what it means to walk in the way of Jesus? And then, it, you know, it's one thing to sacrifice to be a disciple. It's, it's one thing to learn what it means to walk in the way of Jesus as his disciple. The final step is actually walking in the way, not just leaving some things behind, not just knowing where we are walking forward, but to actually do it, to walk in the way of Jesus. That's the, the final step. One who is truly a disciple will not just know his teacher's ways, but will live them out, will we'll act as, as his or her teacher acts. And, and it's clear in Jesus' instructions, his interactions with his disciples, that he expected that to happen. He expected it, and he didn't just expect it, he, he even provided opportunity for that to happen. So if you're still in uh, Luke 6, uh, look with me at verse 40. Jesus says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So, so the goal was that Jesus' disciples would be just like him. 
They would, they would say what Jesus would have said. They, they would do what Jesus would have did. They would teach what Jesus would have taught, which would turn them into not just disciples, but disciples who are making disciples. And the process would continue all the way to where we are today, and then hopefully beyond us. There's other places in Luke. If you look at, uh, if you flip over to Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, again, you know, Jesus is, is promoting this kind of walking in his way. Luke 9, 1, it says, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. In other words, Jesus sent them out and he said, here, you've got power to do the things that I've been doing. I'm giving you power. I'm equipping you to go out and to walk in my ways. In other words, to be his disciple. He didn't just send them out. He sent them out to do the things that he had already been doing. And then in Luke chapter 24, one more place that we can see this highlighted. Luke 24, 46 and Jesus said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Again, the same thing that Jesus had been proclaiming throughout his earthly ministry, right? The repentance for the forgiveness of sins, the gospel message, Jesus is sending his disciples out to continue proclaiming that, to walk in his ways. When we, when we live as disciples of Jesus through sacrificing for him, learning what it means to walk in his ways, and, and then emulating him, our faith in him will grow deeper and deeper. And as that happens, the body is built. The body is built as each individual disciple here as we are built up in our faith, the collective body is built up as well. It's something that, that we ought to strive for as a church body, and that's why we have that as part of our purpose statement, build the body. But there's that second part as well. It's growing in faith, but it's also loving others by looking to their interests. Now, I would say that that, you know, the second bullet point there kind of flows right out of the first one. That, you know, as, as we are living as disciples of Jesus, the second things ought to just naturally come out. That we love others by looking to their interests. I, I, there's no better example of that than Jesus himself. When we talk about looking to other people's interests. In fact, that's where we get the wording for that description. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. I'd encourage you to, to turn there with me. Philippians chapter 2. That's where kind of the wording for this comes from. Chapter 2, verse 3, Paul writes and says, uh, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Um, Philippians chapter 2 is just one of those landmark passages in the Bible. They're all important. They're all the Word of God. But there are some of those passage, the passages that just, that just grab you, that, that really 
deliver incredible, incredible truth. In Philippians 2, the first 11 verses especially, gives us such a powerful, eloquent description of how the second person of the Trinity, fully God, united himself with humanity fully. And during his life on earth, he counted others more significant than himself. He so looked to our interests that he humbled himself through obedience to death upon the cross. That is, that is looking to the interests of others at its pinnacle. Jesus offering himself on the cross. The, that, that self-sacrifice of Jesus not only builds up the body of believers, that's the foundation upon which the entire body of believers is built. That act, offering himself upon the cross. Now, now in this passage here, Paul does not call disciples of Jesus to die on the cross for the sins of the world, just like Jesus did, because that's, that's, that's been done. Jesus has already done that once and for all. We couldn't do it anyway, because we are sinful in nature. But we are to be disciples who walk in the way of Jesus by living out the same humility, the same self-sacrifice of Jesus. Again, Jesus is the one who died on the cross. We're not called to that, but we are called to humility and self-sacrifice. And I think, I think a great picture of that is John chapter 13. A picture of this type of attitude that really we can more directly emulate. I mean, listen to what Jesus did on the night before his crucifixion in John chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taken a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Uh, we've probably heard before that washing a person's feet in that culture was usually reserved for the lowest servant on the totem pole, the lowest servant of that household. Uh, a person could probably argue that's been a task reserved for the lowest servant in every culture throughout history. I, I've, I've never heard of a culture where people were arguing and fighting about who would get the privilege of washing stinky, dirty feet. I've never heard of that. In every culture, this is always a, a humble act. Jesus, however, was so in tune with the interests of those around them. He so cared for the interests of those around him that he humbled himself and lovingly served them in this way. Again, and John even writes in there, Jesus came from God. Jesus was God. Jesus was going back to God. I mean, this is God himself humbling himself to wash 
feet. And, and, and some would suggest that the servant in that household that night failed to wash the feet of the disciples. And honestly, honesty, we're not told that specifically. We don't know whether the disciples' feet were already clean or, or were still dirty. But it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if the disciples' feet were clean or dirty at this point. What matters is that Jesus displayed the attitude needed in order to look to the interests of others. An attitude that was willing to take the lowest position in order to serve, in order to love somebody else. And unlike his crucifixion, that was a one-time thing reserved for Jesus alone, this act was never meant to be a one-time thing. Um, Skip down to verse 12 with me. When he had finished, uh, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. As disciples of Jesus who walk in the way of Jesus, we are to lovingly serve one another and look to each other's interests. It's the kind of loving sacrifice where I'm willing to lay down my own preferences and lay down my own desires so that someone else can benefit. It's, it's the kind of loving sacrifice where I live not to be served, but to serve. That's the way of Jesus. And, and, and when we do that, when we, when we walk in these doors of the church here with eyes wide open for how we can look to the interests of one another, the body is built up. It, it just is. The body is built up as we serve in that way. And you know, people did not think that a kingdom, much less a church body, could be built through that type of humility or servanthood. People did not think it could happen. And in fact, the authorities sought to mock Jesus at his crucifixion by placing a sign above his head calling him a king as he lived out this kind of sacrifice. They tried to mock him. But Jesus proved, he proved that his kingdom could and would be built through loving sacrifice. And that started 2,000 years ago at Calvary but we must continue to see that kingdom made known in our midst through living out that type of humility, that type of sacrifice. And Jesus, he even went on a little bit later in chapter 13 to say, by this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that's how the kingdom of God goes forward. That's that's what the kingdom of God is built upon, the sacrifice of Jesus, and then his disciples are called to, to live that out. Maybe not literally, physically washing someone's feet. Maybe the situation presents itself, but that type of attitude, that type of humility and sacrifice before others. So the second of our 
purposes here at EBC is to, to see our church body built up. We, we desire to be a body of Christ that is, that is healthier and healthier, built up more and more with, with each passing day and week and month and as time goes on. And, you know, I said at the beginning that, that building the body is, is the inward focus, the inward portion of our purpose statement. And, and perhaps it feels selfish to even have an inward focus of a purpose statement. But if we truly think biblically about what it means for us as a church body to be built up, we'll see that, that our inward focus or our inward concern regarding our relationships actually causes us to look away, to look out towards others. We are, we are built up as we focus upon our relationship with Jesus, as we walk in his ways as his disciple. And we are built up as we focus upon our relationships with one another as well, as we sacrifice, as we look to each other's interests. It, it's this inward focus that, that causes us to look beyond ourselves. So again, it, it's building the body, not in a way that just says we need more people here. People are going to be drawn to that. You know, as, as, our, as, as our church body is built up, that's an attractional thing. It's always been meant to be that way. But it's not just about that. It's about a broader thing than that. It's about serving one another. It's about walking in the way of Jesus as his disciples. And so my hope, my prayer is that 2021 may be a year that we strive in the power of God to build up the body, build up this body to which he's called us to be a part and which he has sacrificed himself so that we can be a part would you stand with me? Let's, let's come before God in prayer and ask him to work in that way in our lives. God, as we come before you, we, we first have to bow before you and, and give you praise. As we talk about walking in the way of Jesus and looking to the interests of others, we are not being asked to do anything that you yourself have not already done and done to a greater degree than, than we will ever be able to do. And so we give you praise for that. We give you praise that because of that, we are empowered to build the body. That because of that, we are given an example of what it looks like to build the body. And God, I pray for us as a church body that these things would be increasingly true about us, that our faith would be growing deeper, that our service would be growing more and more. God, I, I thank you for this church here, for those gathered in this room, for those who are joining in their homes this morning. God, I thank you for, for your church, for your universal church, but I thank you for this local church as well. God, help me to know. Help me to know how I can better wash feet. God, help me to 
walk more and more in your ways and being your disciple. God, I pray, I humbly ask that you would build this body. And I know that as we seek after you, you will do just that. It's your promise to us and that is in line with your love for us. And so we give you the praise. In your name we pray. Amen.